You know, we're most accustomed to understanding God as our Father, and that's how He's, of course, consi consistently portrayed in the Scriptures. But there are also Scriptures that speak of God being as a mother to us. And I know it's always a little bit risky because some of our relationships, perhaps some of your relationships with earthly mothers were not all that you hoped they might be. But if you think about, you know, it says in the Bible, it talks about God and says, can a mother forget the baby nursing at her breast? Could I forget you? It speaks of him as El Shaddai, the God of plenty, the God who pours out his abundance to us, his mercy through, through his great love for us. So as we prepare to come to the word this morning, I just want to one more time, we're going to sing just that chorus part, oh, how he loves us. And I just invite you to open your hands just in a posture of receiving that love from our loving God. He loves Lord Jesus, we receive your love today. The gracious gift from your hand that we have not deserved, yet you have so freely poured into us. Lord God, and now as we come to your word, we open our hearts and our hands and our minds and our spirit to you, that you might speak into us the fullness of that which is in your heart to share with us this day. Holy Spirit, come. Take your living and active word, your eternal word, and make it a now word for this day, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. just want to take a moment here to say thank you to our worship team and also to Peterson Pierre for his debut as worship leader. Hands up this morning. Welcome. Thank you. And glory on the sticks this morning. First time debut for glory. Beautiful. Well, if you've been with us over the last several uh, weeks, we have, uh, we're about more than halfway through now, uh, a study series that we have been doing entitled Praxis. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one located right in the uh, pew rack in front of you or the book rack in front of you. And uh, turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Romans, of course, is a marvelous book, one of Paul's letters, uh, specifically to the church in Rome, where he really lays out the full dimensions of the gospel. And uh, the first 11 chapters kind of lay out what the gospel is. And then the final chapters from chapters 12 to 16 lay out what do we then do with that. So there's the indicative, what is it, and then the imperative, what do I do with that. And so as we've looked at several times, Romans 12 begins with, therefore, and the therefore is there to refer us back to those first 11 chapters. I urge you, friends, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is what we were doing, this is what we were singing about this morning when we were saying, I'll stand with arms wide and, and heart abandoned, okay? We're giving ourselves, that's that 
being living sacrifices to him. And then he goes on and says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I feel like I'm really got a lot of tenor and a lot of hot, and I need to come down a little bit if I could. Greg, thanks. Um, so do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're no longer to conform to the patterns of this world, but we are to be transformed, and that transformation happens primarily through the renewing of our mind, and that gives us then the ability to know what to do. When we've walked a transformed life, when we've abandoned ourselves to God, I mean, Martin Luther said, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and do as you please. He could say that because when you've abandoned yourself in love to him, what you please is, will be pleasing to him. Okay? So, so we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. For by the grace given me to every one of you, um, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all have the same practice or function. Here's that word function, praxis, okay? Do not have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If one's gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it's serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it's leadership, let them govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. So what we've been discovering over these last several weeks and for the next three weeks, including today, is these eight, uh, seven motivational gifts that are described here in Romans chapter 12. Now again, pulling out the lens for a moment, remember there are manifestational gifts that are described in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to 14 primarily. Those are the gifts of the Spirit, things like tongues and speaking, or speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and healings and miracles and a number of different manifestational gifts. Then there's the ministerial gifts that are found in Ephesians chapter 4, the, the apostle, prophet, um, evangelist, pastor, teacher gifts, those five ministerial gifts. And then we have the seven motivational gifts, which is what we're primarily focusing on here today. And as we've discovered, these motivational gifts are really a part of our DNA, the way that God has created and made us, all right? So there is the seven gifts, as we just read them. There's the prophet, which we're describing as the eye of the body, who receives and declares the will of God. There's the servant, that is the hands of the body, who renders practical services, service to others. The teacher, which is the mind of the body who researches and communicates truth. The exhorter, who is the mouth of the body, 
encouraging personal and corporate progress. That's what we looked at last week. The giver, which is what we're going to be looking at today, the arms of the body, sharing time, talent, energy, and resources. The leaders, shouldering the responsibility of organizing, leading, directing in the body. And, the, and mercy, the heart of the body, sharing compassion, love, and care to those in need. Now, these gifts in first, uh, in Timothy, I'm sorry, in Peter, I'll get it, in 1 Peter 4, we get a couple of main categories for these gifts, okay, just another way of understanding these motivational gifts. 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So it's possible to look at these in this way, understanding the speaking gifts as the prophet, teacher, exhorter, and leader, and our serving gifts, which are the servant, the giver, and the mercy gifts. All right? And so today, we're, we've kind of gone back and forth when we looked at the prophet, uh, we've looked at the prophet, the teacher, and the exhorter. We've looked at three of the speaking gifts already. We've only looked at one of the serving gifts before, the servant. And now this morning, we're going to be looking at the giver, the second of these serving motivational gifts. Now, I just want to, and I'm kind of plowing through some territory that we've gone through before, but I want to help set up the context, and not everybody's able to be here each week, so I want to capture before we move on, we've, we've looked at some categories of these gifts. I also want to look for just a moment at some specific principles. And again, these are found embedded in Romans 12, 4, and 5, as well as in other places. But it says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So here's some things that are key principles for you to grab hold of this morning. First of all, every one of us has a motivational gift. Each one of us has a motivational gift. It's part of the way that we've been created. In fact, as I've shared with you, I believe that these are part of the common grace of the Father given to humanity. And so I believe that even people who aren't yet believers in Christ have been given motivational gifts. And I'm going to explain that just a, a bit more in a moment. We're, one of the illustrations I'm going to use this morning is of somebody who was just that, I believe. And I, I, I want to explain that more in a moment, okay? But each one of us, every single one of you in this room, has a motivational gift. And these are given by the Spirit as he wills. These are not a part of either, in a sense, nature or nurture. They're part of supernatural. They're part of the supernatural grace of God. They're part of his charism, his gift to us. And he does it as he wills. Now, you can argue, you can, as, as the Bible uses the term, kick against the goads, which means try to go against the way you've been created, it doesn't work really well, all right? If God's made you and given you and given you a particular motivational gift, the greatest joy that you're going to discover is when you relax into that and begin to embrace the way God's made you 
like he is, as he's done. All right? Each motivational gift is unique and is of equal value to the other gifts. This is the principles of diversity and unity. Every gift is different, and even the expression of these gifts in various lives will look different. But there is a unity because each one has equal value. Just like male and female are diverse from one another, but united in their value before God, so it is with these motivational gifts. It isn't a hierarchy. When Paul lists the gifts here from prophet down to mercy, it isn't a list in a hierarchical fashion. It's just, as it were, if you can picture it on a wheel, it's just all parts of an expression of the way God has created his body and his people. Fourthly, all the motivational gifts are intended to work together in harmony and in synergy. Okay, so here we have the principle of synergy. So these gifts are not simply to be used in isolation. Okay? In fact, they must be used together. There's an old saying that if all you have is a hammer, everything you look at is going to look like a nail. Okay? So if your gift is a particular thing, then you're going to see, and I love here, here's, a, here's just something, you know, I get to do this a lot because I get to be with all of you a lot, and so I get to, to watch those various gifts. But just sit in a, in a prayer gathering sometime and listen to people as they pray, and you'll begin to hear motivational gifts coming out even in their prayer. Okay? So one person is praying about, boom! They, they, they see the black and white issues. They're looking at it. They're see, you know, they're just, you know? And another person is praying exhortation, you know, and they're just encouraging, supporting. And then the compassion person is there just, just crying, merciful, their heart out for, you know, and listen to those prayers and recognize that we need all of those gifts. We need all of those gifts working together in synergy. So don't look at somebody else who's praying or whose passion looks different than yours and think, if they, if they just really matured, they'd be more like me. And they'd see the world around them more like I do. But they're not, depending on their motivational gifts. So we get to appreciate those in the synergy that they do. And they are to be used for the benefit of the body and the building up of the kingdom. As Annette shared a couple of weeks ago, these are not to be used as weapons. And by that, I mean they are to be used as weapons against the enemy, but they're not to be used as weapons against one another. Okay? They're to be used as gifts, as tools to help benefit the body and build up the kingdom of God. All right? Everybody with me so far? So this morning, we're going to be looking at the motivational gift of giving. And this, let me just give you a heads up. What, what we've been doing, and, and as Pastor Sam and I have been sharing throughout these weeks, um, we have encouraged you and invited you to discover your particular motivational gift. All right? A couple things that I want to say about that. One is, you may still be in the process of discovery, and some of you, like me, look at the various gifts and you go, well, there's a piece of me in that, and there's a piece of me in this, and there's a piece of me in that. And that's the beauty of the way God's made you. Okay? So we have said, and this is not something that we can prove from Scripture. Okay? Let me just be very clear. 
I, I do believe that there is sort of a, a primary, a, a way in which God's made you that there is going to be a, a, a kind of a primary way in which you function in a motivational gift. But, however, God's, you know, Jesus had all seven perfectly. And when you look at Paul's life, you go, as you mature in the Lord, you will probably find yourself, and we'll talk about this more in a couple weeks, you'll find yourself functioning more and more in all of the motivational gifts. Okay? So that's absolutely appropriate. We're not trying to put you in any kind of box to kind of confine us. Okay, well, I'm sorry, my motivational gift is this, so I can't do that. That's not what it's about. We just want you to know who you are so you'll know what to do. Okay? And if you're still struggling with this, come and speak to one of the pastors, one of the elders, one of the other leaders, and just say, can you pray with me? Can we talk this through some more? I really do want to understand this. I'm still trying to grasp this. And I say all of that because the gift of giver is probably the most challenging to figure out if you actually have it. Okay? It's because it finds its expression through so many of the other gifts as well, or other ways. And so it's expressed in different ways. And, and actually, because we're all called to the role of giving, we're all called to be generous, it's difficult sometimes to separate out somebody who has the gift of giving in terms of a manifestational gift, just giving as part of who they are, and the motivational gift of giving, which really, again, is embedded in who we are. All right? So, so this is kind of a, sometimes it can be a struggle, and this gift of giver in particular can be one. So if you struggle with this one, it's okay. Relax. All right? I just want to try to unpack it for you as best that I can this morning. I'll try to be as clear as possible. So we have different gifts. This is in Romans 12, 6, and then in 8. According to the grace given to each of us, if it is giving, then give generously. Let me ask a question. Does anybody else have an alternative translation from the NIV that uses a different word there than generously? Because I think there are some translations that translate that differently, and we're going to unpack that in, as we go through. Yeah. With liberality. Okay. Anybody else? Any other translations that people have that say different than generously? Anybody? Nobody? Going once, going twice? Anybody else have it? Aha! Who is that? Okay, what, what is that from? Which? New English translation. What is it again? With sincerity. Okay? That's key. So keep that in your mind as we, as we walk this through, okay? So here's liberality, okay? So we've got liberality, generosity, sincerity, okay? So we're going to discover why we have those different words used, all right? The word is metadidomai, which in the Greek, which means literally contributor, so another way that we could describe this gift, if we weren't going to use the word giver, we could use the word contributor. Okay? Now, the root word is didymi, which means to give, and meta, which means to stand by. And if we put those two together, 
what we end up with is to come alongside of to help. So it sounds a bit like the exhorter here for a moment. Sounds a bit like the encourager, but the giving looks slightly different, and again, we're going to kind of unpack that as we go. So the motivational gift of giver describes one who loves, who loves to give money, possessions, time, talent, energy, to benefit others and to benefit the kingdom. For a giver, they just love to give. And they love to do so with liberality, with generosity, and as we'll see in a moment, with sincerity as well. Okay, so here's a, just a working definition. Now these, you know, the Bible doesn't come with a dictionary in the back with these definitions. These are my definitions to try to get at this, okay? But the motivational gift of giver describes one who loves to give money, possessions, time, talent, energy to benefit others and build the kingdom. Okay? So, oh, I forgot to ask again. Oh. Liz, make a note to self. I can't, I can't, I just have to put illustration without those names up there first, all right? So I don't confuse myself. All right. So, who in the Bible? is a picture of the giver. Oh, who is it, Terry? Zacchaeus. And who else? Phoebe. All right. Well, these are a couple of examples. There are others, many others. And about many people would say Abraham was kind of one of the first expressions of this, all right? And there's many others in the Bible who are givers. But I want to use this morning Zacchaeus, and Phoebe to be illustrations for us. And now, here's where we're going to come to what, do you you remember what I said five minutes ago? Maybe, all right? I'm impressed people could remember from a year ago. Most people by lunch, they've forgotten anything about me or my ministry. So, okay, but you guys, that's awesome. All right, whole year. All right, but I said to you five minutes ago that I believe that these are embedded into our lives, and they don't find their fullest expression until we come to Christ. I'm going to tell you why I believe Zacchaeus was a giver. All right, here's the story. Now, we can back up just a little bit. If you got your Bible, look in Luke 19. I just put part of it up there. But if you go back to Luke 19, it says, in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, or I think we'd have to now retranslate that, vertically challenged, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, and here it is up on the screen for you, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's born to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, which is at least double what the law 
in half of his possessions. Okay? I'm going to speak out of my experience for a moment. I've been pastoring for uh, almost, what, 28 and a half years. I'm in my 24th year pastoring here. And here's something that I've discovered as I've, as I've just been with people. So, so let, let me see if this will resonate with you. This is Jim Olson's personal belief. I believe that at the very place of our calling and gifting, at that very place is the place where the enemy will contend greatest with us. Okay? Right at the place of our calling and our gifting is where the enemy comes and contends I'll never forget this, and, 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 and I was praying for someone at the altar, somebody who was um, very discouraged, going through great difficulties and challenges, and, and sort of just had turned everything, all of their circumstances, and all of their situations had become very, very deeply internalized. This was 15 years ago. Deeply, deeply into their lives. They just quite, kind of the, the gaze had gone completely inward. And that had gone on for a significantly long time in this person's life. And I'll never forget, as I was praying for this person, the Lord speaking to me and saying these words, which I'd known this person for some time, so this was not coming out of my own thoughts. I don't believe. I think it was the Lord. Because I heard the Lord say to me, this person is called to be an encourager. But everywhere they went, they were kind of bringing discouragement. I was like, I don't understand. The enemy had taken the wheat and the tear. The tear had come up and wrapped itself so much around that person that the very call on their life was being squeezed out, the very thing. And, that, and as I encouraged them and prayed for them, I said, you're called to be an encourager. That's what the call is on your life. If you give yourself to that, it will break you out from this prison, the chains that you're experiencing. Zacchaeus, so look around you and look into your own life and see if this works. So, so if you're, you're a prophet, God's going to, you know, or the enemy is going to come and contend in a particular way. If you're a servant, there's going to be particular vulnerabilities related to being a servant. If you're a teacher, exhorter in each of these, if you're a giver, the place that is going to be contended is the open-handed place. Because there's a way, because givers, and we'll talk about givers sort of attract wealth often. Not always, but they often do because in the physical realm, or they, 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 they stuff just comes to them. And the temptation is going to be to hang on to that. I believe Zacchaeus, when he met the Lord, his true calling as a giver was revealed. And what the enemy had taken and almost brought about destruction in his life, his whole life had been around those possessions and the money and all of those things, and he was a wealthy man, but he was inside he was in a prison. 
And when he met Jesus, it opened up and he was like, and suddenly it was like this fountain just got released in his life of generosity, giving. Does this make sense? Okay, now, I'd love to dialogue more with you about this. I welcome those, the emails that just say, hey, I, I got another perspective on this or help me because that helps me, all right? Because I just, but, but the way I see it, and so if in your life you see a constant pattern of contention in a particular way and area, that may be a clue to the place that God wants to release his gift in your life, his calling. So if you're struggling with this, it may be God wants to help you do this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Can we get air for a second? Turn on the fan. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. That word benefactor is that word the contributor. It's the word giver. Okay? And so that is the word that we're looking for here. Phoebe was a great help and support to others in work. All right? So she is another beautiful example of that giver. In fact, Jesus was surrounded by many women who were, had the gift of giving and were benefactors. All right? Those women were the ones who were supporting and releasing the, you know, you hear about the disciples and all they're doing, and we focus on them. But there, alongside of them, were all of these godly women who had come to Christ and were benefactors and were supporting what was happening, both when Jesus and then in the early church. And we could look at Lydia, we could look at others as well, who were part of that giving, the gift of giving. All right, so here's what we're going to do in the final remaining moments. I want to unpack for you this gift. And this morning, I'm taking a page from my wife. My letters will not be all the same, but they will be an acronym. So that is almost as good as alliteration. Okay, it's right there, really close. Okay. So the characteristics. G, generosity. Generosity. One of the characteristics of the giver is generosity. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Did you hear that phrase? Three things it said. One, overflowing joy. Two, extreme poverty. Three, rich generosity. You put, the, you put A plus B to get C. There was extreme, there was overflowing joy and extreme poverty, A plus B, welled up in C, rich.
rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations, and they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Is that not remarkable? Wow. All right. So here's the characteristic. Here's the takeaway that I want you to put. The giver gives above and beyond in their giving, first to the Lord, first to the Lord, and then to others, a reflection and outflow of the overwhelming grace of God. This, like all the characteristics, shows us and is a reflection, a picture of, a revelation of God himself, who gives himself first to himself and then to us. We are to give ourselves, and the giver, and here's a key characteristic for the giver, because the first thing that they do when they are liberated and truly walking in the maturity that God has for them is they do it first to the Lord and then to others. First, they're, they're, they're recognizing that everything is his. They've given themselves completely. They've abandoned themselves to him and then to others. Okay? I, integrity. Okay, by the way, it's going to be give is going to be the acronym. All right, you probably figured that out. I is integrity. Now, here's that word. And what was the word, uh, Dwayne, that was used in the NET? Sincerity. Interesting. Because that really is the root word here. The same word with generosity is sincerity or simplicity. It's with sincerity. It's with wholeness and singleness of heart. That's what integrity is about. Matthew 6, 19 to 21 and 24. By the way, I think Matthew was also a giver. What was Matthew before he came to Christ? Did you know that in the Gospel of Matthew, more than even the other Gospels, Matthew talks about money more than any of the other Gospels? About 40% of all of this in the New Testament Scripture is Matthew talking about money and giving. I think it was important to his heart. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other. You have to have a singleness of heart. So listen carefully. The giver is the one who uses their gifts with sincerity of heart and singleness of purpose, giving themselves wholeheartedly to the Lord and to others. There's just a wholeheartedness about them. There's something, there's a, there's a simplicity of heart, there's a singleness of purpose, there's a sincerity that's present, a genuineness about the true gift of giver, the one who's functioning in that gift. Okay? The, the, now this is kind of a key characteristic here in this gift of giving, as they all are, I guess, but is that it is voluntary. Okay? Generosity, integrity, and it's voluntary. Now listen again to the instruction of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, or again, as the young child was listening to the sermon and heard, heard about that, he says, oh, Daddy, don't give under convulsion. All right? So... Um, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. As it is written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies um, seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You're going to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's the takeaway. The giver freely receives resources from God the giver and then freely gives those resources in response to the goodness of God and the needs he directs them toward. But they're led by God, not driven by need. There's a difference between being led and driven. We've talked about that about a thousand times since I've been here, probably more than that. The spirit leads, the enemy drives. So a giver, a mature giver, is not likely to be manipulated. They're not going to be manipulated by need. They're not going to be manipulated by someone's, you know, manipulation over them. They're simply going to be responding to God. And they're giving out of freely, out of what God has given to them. A giver is one who freely receives and freely gives. In fact, that's the beauty of and an important part of understanding gospel truth is that we, get, we receive in order to give more. We're not a gimme religion. We're a giving relationship where he's giving to us and we're giving out from him. Okay? Finally, they give effectively. I love this. In 2 Corinthians 9, going on, it says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The giver impacts and influences others inside and outside the kingdom through their wise and diligent stewardship. I think that Zacchaeus made an impact that day. Do you think so? Do you think that was the talk of the town? When Zacchaeus, the wealthy tax collector who'd been cheating everybody, says, all right, half of my possessions, boom, go into the poor. Four times back, you come to me if I've stolen from you, four times back to you. I mean, this made news, headline news in the local paper. Because there was an impact. Do you think Phoebe made an impact and influence in the kingdom? Yes. Because of wise and diligent stewardship. And that's a key piece of this. The giver is one who effectively uses the resources that they have. And it doesn't mean they might not have much. Givers exist in all societies. This motivational gift of giving. So some people have very little, but what they have, they use with great effect. The stewardship, it's not about the amount that you have. It's about the utilization of what you've been given. So don't get tripped up on this, well, I can't be a giver unless I got lots of money. That's not what it's about. Because it's about your time. It's about your talents. It's about your treasures. It's about all of the different ways in which God wants to use you. It's not just about money. It's possessions. It's energy. It's all of those things that you have that you've been given. When you're a giver, you use those wise and diligently to impact and influence. 
Everybody good? So, here's the invitation. We can all go above and beyond in our giving. We can all go above and beyond in our giving. I'm humbled by the fact. I mean, we're standing here. When 30 years ago, before we moved into this building in 82, back before that, back in the 50s and 60s, when this congregation was a small space, you know, there was a group of women. Talk about benefactors. These were women. It was a small group of women. All of them double tithed. They all gave 20% because they were committed to seeing. They, and I don't know that all of them had the gift of giving, but all of them gave above and beyond. 10% is not a ceiling. It's a floor. God owns it all. We get, to, we get to give above and beyond. All right? We can all give ourselves wholeheartedly to the Lord and others. We can all do this. In fact, we're all called to. We can all freely receive and freely give as led by God. And we can all impact and influence through wise stewardship. All of us. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. He is the giver who releases us to give. He's the giver who releases us to give. Um, a few weeks ago, Alina Wydell, one of our members, she, she sent me an email. She talked to me after church and then sent me an email about a vision she'd received that I wanted to end with here. And I would like the worship team to come on up as we close. She said, last week I had a vision, and it was the first week we began this series, Praxis. She said that I believe it's for the church, and I'd like to share it. I feel it's about an outpouring of the Spirit that is about to come, and we need to be open and ready for it. It's hard to explain the feeling that I had. It was more like open up to receive. You need to be empowered for what's ahead. It's like a small group of people. The trunk of the church is to be able to support and feed the branches. I saw a pool of stale water getting smaller and smaller, but above it there was a faucet that was turned off, just dripping. The water in the faucet was ready to burst out as soon as the spigot was turned on. What I felt about that was that we need this outpouring of the Spirit to empower the church for the ministry to the nations that God has brought to our doorsteps and beyond, to others in the city, the church, and beyond, to the nations. And my sense is that exactly what Alino shared there prophetically, I believe that we are poised for an outpouring, an overflow out of this body. Let me tell you a story. Many years ago, we were in a time of financial tightness. There were some things that we needed to do with the building. There were some things that needed to happen. So we went into a season of fasting and prayer for overflow. That was what we were praying. We were praying fasting and prayer. So, so we were praying to open up our hands to receive all that God wanted to send. All right? So we were fasting and praying for overflow. And here was the word of the Lord came to us prophetically and says, I want you to give away your overflow. I want you to give away. It was like, wait a minute, Lord. We're praying because we need resources, and you're saying, you've got overflow, give it away. So we did. We had a, a community, we called it the overflow blessing. And everybody brought stuff, and if you remember this, if you were here, it was incredible. I mean, there was, 
I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say there's probably over $100,000 worth of goods that went out, the overflow. Well, one of the people who was a beneficiary of that overflow is this man sitting right here, Pastor Justin Duquello. Because he came to, I think we were flyering at Walmart, which is probably illegal, but anyways, we were doing that. And so people were showing up and they were getting stuff, and he saw that, and he came and said, can I have any leftover that you have? Because I have an orphanage in Congo, and there's women there and children there who need what you have. So we came, we loaded up, we loaded up into your garage, and you ended up with a container that went over. So the overflow went to the Congo. Now fast forward 13 years. And Justin and his family, and he's down in North Carolina, and the Lord tells him to end his labor there and come back to Minnesota. And he's praying, and he can tell you the story sometime. In a hotel, you know, in my face comes before him, and he makes contact with me, and now he's here. Restarted International Christian Fellowship. Has started a nonprofit for the 5,000 to 7,500 Congolese families that are going to be showing up in the next two to three years, four years here in the Twin Cities, to reach out to help and to support them. So from one expression of overflow, now suddenly a whole channel of blessing and overflow has come. All right? I say that to say this. I don't know. I haven't. I have to. I have to. I believe that not only individuals but churches are to have motivational gifts. I don't know exactly which. I don't want to like confine us. I think we're to operate in all seven. But I do know this: God wants this body to be a giving body. I mean, He really does. And we already are. But I think there's way more. And and that's not meant to be, I just think that God's going to upgrade and keep increasing opportunity for us. Just like with Gene's testimony. That was so perfect this morning when she told me that. She's like, yes. God's going to give us more and more opportunity to give. So this morning, rather than having individuals stand, I want us to stand corporately as a congregation. And I want you to take the hand of the person nearby you Please. And Jesus, it is my prayer and heart this morning, my deep, deep desire that this house, that you would release among us this gift of the giver not only in individuals, but in us as a whole. For you have loved us so much, we have freely received, we want to freely pour out to a world around us desperately needing, that is so hungry and thirsty on so many levels. Help us, God, to become this, which you've called us to be. I pray, Lord, it's, it seems an area that Culturally, in America, so much contention. I don't know. I don't want to get too far out there, but I mean, America certainly is called to be a giver. And that's why there's so much contention around that with injustice around greed and 
and all the things that all the things that stuff it it's all gets just but God break loose break it open break open in us we may we begin right here in this house to be a reflection of you and your gifts Jesus help us Lord help us Lord help us Lord help individuals who are caught who might be just caught with the idol of money today, that, that it just looms so large in them and they're grasping and holding on. Lord, open us up, Jesus, to be able to give freely, generously, with sincerity of heart and singleness of purpose, voluntarily and effectively for you. Jesus, help us. We're going to sing this wonderful hymn. This is one of my favorite hymns. We're going to sing, take our lives and let them be consecrated. Take our hands. I want to make this corporate today. Keep holding hands. Be good. Just keep those hands together as I pray a prayer of benediction this morning. Lord Jesus, I love this body that you've given me the privilege of serving. And I love the generosity of heart that I see here and that gift of giver that is so obvious. And Lord, in light of today's word, I'm just asking, Lord, for a greater release of that among us. Jesus, that we will be willing to pour ourselves out on behalf of the vulnerable and the lost. Lord, that we would have your heart for those around us, both within the body and outside. Continue to teach us and instruct us and help us in this, Lord God. Help us in this, Lord. We want to walk in greater maturity in this gift as we do in all of the gifts. And now I pray for you collectively, people of God, Bethel Christian Fellowship, I ask that we might be filled afresh this day with the overwhelming love of God. with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. With the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit to be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house. As we go, sent to make disciples of all nations, may the banner of his favor and goodness be over our lives, individually and corporately together. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that his love and mercy will chase you down every day of your life. And to him be all praise and all glory and all honor forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you share the love of the Lord with one another?